take it right off the top. Welcome back, Skigglers, to another episode of the Skits and Giggles podcast. I am Pascal, and I'm joined by my co-host Bryson. How is it going today, buddy? Hello, Skigglers. Hello, Pascal. I'm going good. A little bit of a sore throat, so I sound a little bit sexy, but um, otherwise, looking forward to get back on the bike. Oh, sweet. Well, we haven't talked uh, in person or otherwise since uh, well, since the beginning of the month. It's now the end of May. Uh, a lot of hap- has happened in the meantime. I've been away traveling, going to Transmadeira, and that's what we want to uh, uh, to catch up on. You know, maybe a little bit about my own experience, but generally, uh, we want to talk a little bit about your golden tan, <laughs> the golden tan, the glow, the Madeira glow, the Madeira ice. But more more generally, like the, the things you can expect from uh, a race like this. What uh, you know? What are the things that uh, I did bring? What are the things I took away from? What is the experience? Um, you know, what can you expect from from signing up to a race like this? Um, but uh, before we dive too deep into it, I did try Transmadeira before. Unfortunately, last year it didn't turn out too well. Uh, you can check up on that in episode forty. Um, where we talked a little bit about the specifics of the race, certainly for <laughs> the first couple of days until I crashed out. Uh, this time it was much, much better. Um, and I think we want to talk about the highlights today more so than the, the, the deep, deep details. But before we do that, what do you think about when you hear Madeira, Bryson? Um, I think about like Instagram shorts, lots of edits, um... I think about like John O'Jones and Matt Jones, like they're, they just love that place. They're going every time to Transmadeira. My Insta feed gets blown up with that stuff and it's really good content. So actually that's what I think about most actually, those two, those two guys. Oh, okay. Well, funny. You should mention that John O'Jones was also part of the Transmadeira this year, um, as well as a few other YouTube and social media greats. Um, I thought I saw Sam Reynolds, there was Chris Kyle, the great Chris Kyle, was there um there was uh, other you know more or less pro racers jerome clements was there so there's a lot of big names on the start line and uh, and generally was a, was a good a good group uh, that, that always enjoys a good time on the island um speaking of a good time on the island you've been to madeira before what were your what were your impressions yeah i took a quick shot over there um i was surprised by um a birthday gift in 2019 so I actually went over there, rode on my birthday um, with uh, one of the guys over there. Just had like a private private day, uh, rented a bike. Um, what was it like? Uh, I was not used to such exposure. Um, I had really dry, dusty conditions. It was September. So everything was real fast. Um, I was on a bike I was unfamiliar with. But aside from that, amazing trails, amazing time, like – it's really cool to be like on an island in the middle of the ocean. And then there's like kind of a rural town in the middle of a jungle on a hillside. It's like just got so many different elements that um, I've never been in before. And you're actually passing through a lot of different elements, like one after another, as you, as you descend through the elevation. Um, day two, much like this, except, except I was in a, in a group um, guided tour. Again, another rented bike. Um, by then I realized I was way too high on my pressures day one, um, tire pressures. So brought those down and I was a lot more in control, uh, a lot more, um, how do you say, um, uh, confident, 
um, and more writing like my, like kind of like who I am and taking like, you know, those doing those Bryson things that I do when I'm feeling like I'm writing myself, um, or writing like myself. Uh, so yeah, but aside, aside from that, again, Madeira, I know there's a lot of hype about this cause I see this, like it's fed to me. I've been there and I, I've seen it. I haven't seen everything, but I got a good taste of like a lot of different things from two different tour, uh, operations and it's real the it's a really cool culture it's a really they're really cool cool trails you do have these breathtaking vistas and sometimes the weather doesn't play nice and then all of a sudden it changes and it's all of a sudden it's nice and so it's it does have this like kind of mystic quality to it as well in that in that sense so i would say that to summarize if you are a mountain biker this is on your bucket list Oh yeah, for sure. This for for sure should be on your bucket list. Um, I mean, I've ridden many, many, many fantastic places. Not quite all over the world, but in, in many, many, many great destinations. And uh, this is right up there. Um, and I think you uh, you summarize it quite uh, quite nicely. And I think if we start talking a little bit about Trans Madeira, so you know, basically whatever Bryson said, and then you times that five days of riding uh plus a shakedown day so you have uh, in total you have about uh depending on how you want to play it it's uh five days of racing plus a shakedown day is a total of six days of riding um overall madeira for we're in europe you're in switzerland it's pretty easy to get to i mean there was a lot of people from all over the world as i said there were 28 nations uh present at the race out of 140 um, racers um, for us from Switzerland, uh, we have direct flights to Madeira from Zurich. Uh, it's about, uh, what is it, three and a half, four hour flight, depending um, if, if you go direct or if you, you choose uh, to do a connection through through Lisbon or Porto. Um, and yeah, it's you know pretty much, it's like one hour time difference. So generally pretty easy on the body. That's why a lot of people go there in the winter when the weather is terrible here in Europe. Um, it's becoming kind of the a second finale almost <laughs> for for a lot of Swiss uh, for a lot of Swiss mountain bikers because it is so easy to get to. Uh, the same can be said for people from the UK, um, and I guess for people from overseas, it's a bit more uh, a bit more challenging to get to. I just want to touch on that flight aspect in case there's some people who are looking to go over who haven't been. There's one thing that I didn't find anywhere, um, and that is when the plane comes into Madeira. It's sideways. Like Zurich is a little bit like that, not so much, but like it's really you're you you get this funny sense that you're going sideways and you're looking out the window. So for those who are a little bit uh afraid of flying, be afraid. <laughs> yeah, it is the, the landing the landing can be pretty sketchy. Um as uh, Bryson mentioned is a is a small island. It's uh it's 50 kilometers wide and 20 kilometers uh, top to bottom, so it, it's uh, not very big. It's pretty exposed in the middle of the ocean, so uh, it can be a bit windy. So the landing can be uh, quite uh, quite spicy. And um, but yeah, it is the Cristiano Ronaldo International Airport now, um, and uh, he's obviously omnipresent on the island. So that's also something to look out for uh, whenever you're in Madeira. Well, let's. Uh, so we talk about the highlights. What made this year special? What do you think? <laughs> yeah. So how did it go? Give us a give us a brief introduction of how your race week went, and we'll take it from there. 
Um, race week was um, super cruisy. I showed up on Saturday, so that's uh, three days before the race starts. Um, you know, found my accommodation. Um, you know, usual stuff. Went for a ride. I met up with our friend Felix Lutin, Mister Six Twelve Parts, the man with the power brake, the most famous brake after this race, <laughs> um, for a shuttle day on Sunday. Monday is the shakedown day, so that's a group ride organized by by Trans Madeira. Basically, a, a single uplift where they drop you off um, at the very top of the of the island, and then it's a a marked route all the way back to camp and then tuesday um the race starts uh, early morning starts then it's five days of racing generally one or two uplifts uh, per day pedaling in between um i say this right off the top it went super smooth not a single crash um what was interesting is that after two months almost without rain it started pissing down, pardon my French, the morning of the race. <laughs> um, I also said this in a, in a, in a kind of a, in an Instagram video they put up uh, during the week. Uh, um, on, on the group ride, it was super dry and dusty and slippery. And when you, if you're not used to that, then it's kind of interesting and, and extra spicy. And uh, that almost had me a bit worried. And, uh, and then it started raining and I was like, ha! I got this. We've had a we've had a very wet couple of weeks, uh, and uh, and you know we've been riding in the winter in mud all the time, so no worries there. Um, and yeah, apart from that, it was um, really, really, really cool. Uh, I mean, the race is obviously is amazing. You can look it up on YouTube. You can look it up on Instagram. Um, the craziest trails you can think of. Um, really cool people. Um, the whole organization was, you know, spotless. There was not a single uh, glitch along the way. Um, all the shuttles worked out perfectly. My personal strategy in, in the different shades of, you know, being where I wanted to be, having the right recovery, being in the right accommodation, whatnot, um, that all worked out really, really well. Came home and, uh, yeah, and that was it. <laughs> it was an absolute highlight. Um, it was, it was really, really cool. I think that is the executive summary. <laughs> so actually I just got a little bit of, uh, a little, a little thing, a little thing, a uh, light bulb popped in my head here. So when you're talking about your thing, um, obviously athletes have like their own training plan, meal plan, all these kinds of things where you sleep and what you eat is provided by the organization. Oh yes. So you kind of have to like deal with what you're doing and your training plan and your nutrition inside of their envelope, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so you you know when you're in your race fee, you get this an entire package which consists of uh, a, a, a week accommodation in a tent. They move the tents around. You don't have to put up any of the tents yourself. Uh, you can book uh, tent upgrades if you will. So I treated myself to a three-person tent rather than a two-person tent. Um, you can also do the whole week in a hotel if you so wish. You just need to organize it yourself. They organize all the food. So you have breakfast in the morning. You have uh, at least one um, food stop during the day. Uh, there's snacks when you get come, when you come back to camp. And then there is there's dinner. Um, so, so those things, they're all uh, catered for if you're not very picky and, uh, and you know, happy with whatever is there. 
that's all you need to do. You just need to bring your bike, your bike gear, and uh, and you're all set. I mean, you can. There's obviously a number of different shades you can play this. Um, for example, I uh, if you look at the race bible or the the camp locations in more detail, you will find out that the first two nights of the of the race are in, spent in the same camp. So what I did, for example, is I booked an Airbnb. Uh, from the Saturday that I arrived all the way through to Wednesday. So I spared myself uh, the first two nights in a tent, um, which was uh, well appreciated <laughs> by my um, increasingly aging body. Um, and apart from that, I mean, yeah, the food is, is really, really good. I mean, they have, a, they have their own uh, kitchen crew, um, really fresh food, very varied. There's always kind of some kind of fish, some kind of meat, vegetables some kind of starch be it pasta rice um or, or like bread or any of the of the other combinations i mean i don't think you have to worry about um losing weight if uh, <laughs> if you if you just go after your uh your your own uh, kind of food radar and and uh, you know towards the end of the week i guess it's can be a get get bit more challenging to to eat um to to stick stay on top of your appetite i think that's certainly my personal experience with, with like multi-day events uh but it's easy in that sense that the food is very varied and diverse and there's i guess something for everyone so the keen uh, watcher or maybe listener may have noticed that uh actually i was surprised that this one wasn't blown up a little bit more from the from the transmedia instagram story but you were on a hardtail, and uh, <laughs> nobody seemed to kind of blink. <laughs> so, but uh, but for those who noticed, <laughs> um, maybe you want to give us a quick rundown on what maybe the what was the decision on the hardtail? How did it go? And what are some key components that uh, kept you running through the race? All right. Well, I've done I've done this this uh, this uh, Q and A uh, quite a few times throughout the week um, <laughs> because you know the the, the typical reaction when when people saw my bike was like holy crap what what are you doing with hardtail <laughs> i was like yeah, yeah i know you know there's like um or no it was mostly oh that's brave on a hardtail and it was like well one people some people call it brave some people call it you know some other not very nice thing <laughs> and uh yeah so anyway moving along with that the decision to do it on the hardtail um well, as, he, as some of the listeners that have been with us for, for some time know, I've gave, gave away my, my race bike from last year. Um, I, uh, I'm a passionate hardtail rider. I really, really love this bike. Uh, I've since upgraded uh, this bike to a titanium version of my favorite bike of all time, uh, which is what I'm currently riding. So it's a Pipe Dream Moxie. Um, so it's not a hardtail in the traditional sense as like, a, you know, your dad's 26 inch cross-country hardtail from 1995 bar ends uh, with bar ends or anything like that so it's it's pretty uh once you start looking into details it's pretty wild um it uh i always say like okay well you know a lot of people are, are attracted to the sport because certainly on the gravity side of things it's because in the moment when you're doing it, you're so absorbed, you're in the zone because there's nothing else. It's this emptiness. Because if you, as soon as you start thinking about anything else, when you're, you know, let's say riding downhill very fast, then that's when stuff happens and things fall apart. So people get attracted to this nothingness and this zone of focus. 
And uh, if you write the hardtail, you just elevate that to a completely different level because, because there's so much else going on, right? There's no, not, much, um, not much margin for error. Uh, you have to pick your lines a bit more carefully. You have to think about grip a lot more differently. And we can get into that uh, in a second, uh, what I mean with that. Um, but overall, as I said, I mean, the first two days when it was raining, I was laughing because, you know, I wrote this thing all the way through winter. I ride in the winter all the time, in the rain, in the snow, in the slop. So <laughs> I was right at home when it started raining and that's, you know, I had a good time. Um, generally, um, it was totally fine. Of course, there was a couple of stages, I would say, out of the 30 stages in the entire week, there was maybe three or four that were significantly more challenging because of the hardtail um, than with, the, let's say, a full suspension bike. And that's just because, you know, yes, the kryptonite for a hardtail is, um, you know, blown out bike parky, brake bumpy, big ass berms, <laughs> because, you know, again, as I talked about before, you know, the limits of grip is like, okay, is, is exactly that. So it's kind of in a full suspension bike, you would be, you know, dropping your heels, sitting into the suspension to create grip on your rear wheel. Well, hang on, breaking news on a hardtail, you can't really do that. So what do you have to do in a hardtail is you have to go exactly the opposite way. So you have to lean into your fork to create more grip on your front wheel. <laughs> and, you know, that's fine for like maybe a two, three, four, five minute stage. And if you're reasonably fit, but on like 10, 15 minute stages, that can be quite tiring and, and not much fun towards the end. Um, but yeah, overall, that, that was only a very, very small number of, of stages that was... Uh, that where that was the case and everything else was totally fine yes you you pick your lines a bit more carefully uh probably get a bit more careful a bit more creative with your line choices but overall it's uh, it's totally fine it could be said that uh the bike you took last year um could have netted a better result like in overall in terms of you know of course time because you just have that much more to afford in terms of a comfort and control have you compared any times that you managed to get similar or I mean like of the similar tracks that you managed to do or did you? Uh, yeah, I mean, most of the, the stages are the same. They, they did change uh, the format, uh, certainly on the first day, uh, a little bit just to, to accommodate the, uh, the feed zone a little bit better. I would say there's obviously stages where the difference was a bit more significant. Uh, I guess the, the good example is the... The, the long stage on the second day, which is the, the Porto da Cruz trail, um, is, uh, it's, uh, what is it? For the fastest guys, it's a 10-minute stage. Uh, for me, it was more like a 12, 13-minute stage. Uh, last year, it was more towards 11 minutes um, in the dry on a full suspension bike, and this time it was more like 13 minutes. So in the grand scheme of things, not really a big deal. No, <laughs> I mean, no. I wasn't racing for the win. I was there for the experience. I was there, you know, of course I wanted to challenge myself. I want to ride the way I can ride and, you know, ride to my potential, but I wasn't there. I'm fully aware that I'm not going to win any prizes, uh, nor am I going to compete for the, for the overall win or the category win for that matter. So 
a minute or two here and there doesn't really make or break my <laughs> the feeling about this race week. Right, but you did actually put in some effort to actually prepare for for the week. Like we, I mean, it was it was it was a it was a topic between us a couple times. So, you know, is it raw natural talent and balls, or did you really prepare? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we have to say that that input that input comes from our dear friend Yeti. <laughs> but uh, let me let me preface my answer with um, I um, I do have a long history in the sport um, in many different disciplines, and I love the work. So training is not something I need to. Um, put a lot of effort in in terms of oh I need to get my oh I need to do these intervals and I need to do this session I need to go to the gym I need to do this and all that sort of stuff it's kind of I'm more the other way it's like okay what can I do today and and that's what uh, fascinates me about this the sport is like there's every day there's something you can do to become the better more capable whatever way you want to define it uh, rider and um, so yeah so you know, I, I, I love to ride my bike. Sometimes I do efforts, sometimes I do intervals, but most of the time I just have a good time on the bike. Um, I do try to ride as much as I can, which unfortunately is not quite as much as other people, but you know, I'm, I'm happy with where I'm at. Um, so yeah, with that, with that being said, so yes, uh, I did do some specific preparation. I did certainly after last year, um, again, coming back to loving the work, as I managed to dislocate my shoulder on the bike and some people would think like, Oh dang, this is crazy and dangerous. You shouldn't do this sport. And my reaction was, well, I need to get stronger <laughs> so I can go the same speed. So yes, I did spend, uh, you know, about six months of physiotherapy last year to, to kind of get the mobility and strength back in my shoulder. And I didn't spend certainly another six months, uh, very focused in the gym on, on strengthening my, kind of this, this shoulder belt complex, whatever you want to call it. Um, but yes, um, is the event only for racers and top level athletes? Definitely not. Um, this is a, a, an adventure as much as, as, it, as it is a race. Uh, most people there, yes, some of them are really, really fast, uh, but there are just very talented racers that also just ride a lot and have this base level fitness that, you know, allows them to to carry through a day. I guess if you want to put it in perspective, what is actually expected from you in terms of physical performance? We're talking about um, the shortest day was around four hours on the bike. Uh, the longest day was about eight hours on the bike. So somewhere in between those two, let's say time boundaries you, you should be able to handle a day um in total i was racing uh for about three hours and uh, a little bit of change so that's spread over five days the shortest day was maybe half an hour of racing the longest day was closer to an hour so those are and that's between four stages on a short day and seven stages on on a big day of, of, of stages or big day of racing so overall, yes, you need the base level of fitness. You need to be able to handle, you know, sometimes intense technical riding, 
sometimes physical riding sometimes it's you know pretty flowy but long stages so it's kind of like you're you're much better off with the very general fitness on and 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 skill base than than very specific you i'm very good at like two minute efforts so it's um i wouldn't worry too much about it but it is not a walk in the park um and certainly towards the end of the week there you know you, you do see people struggling that maybe do not quite ride as much as as others after the first few days did you find yourself settling in with like a particular uh specific people of the pack Oh yes! Shout out to Team Germany. Shout out to the Kaiser von Österreich, <laughs> Kaiser from Tirol. Uh, yeah, no, we had a we had a very good group going, and uh, yeah, so we were all kind of same overall speed. We kind of liked the same structure of the day, and uh, you know, it's just uh, that's how that's how it happens with these multi-day events. You kind of find your group, you find your pace, uh, and then you generally hang out with the with the same group of people the the or a ride with the, the 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 same group of people throughout the throughout the entire race week well um we've already kicked off a little bit of our um listener questions so how about we go like rapid fire through them and see what uh see what comes out of you absolutely yeah shoot so um felix he was on the island but he uh, he came back to us how does one trans madeira <laughs> Yeah, I think we we touched on uh, we touched on a lot of those. Um, I guess um, yes, we talked about the the training. So the training can be summarized in uh, yes, you should have good endurance and uh, the good some some decent strength to to handle a week of uh, of of racing. Let's say for you know thirty thirty to sixty minutes per day and be four to eight hours on the bike. Uh, you also need to be actually. You also need to be able to handle a one and a half, at least one and a half hour hike bike. <laughs> so you should uh, should also be um, used to carrying some heavy things, depending on your bike, of course. He's not struggling with heavy bikes because he has a very light bike. Um, and apart from that, it's uh, you know what whatever you pack for for one week of uh, of of riding. I think we also need to touch on the fact that you go through different types of terrain as you descend through the mountain, or even there's different zones of the mountain, uh, sorry, of the island, which have different types of terrain. And, Very uh, true. I mean, yeah. that's that's something... Just different skill sets, uh, pretty much. Absolutely. Um, as the name implies, Trans-Madeira, it's uh, not on one single spot. So you do cross the island from east to west, um, so that means the first two days you're spending in the east. So first in uh, in and around Mashiko, and the second day in and around Funchal, and then the third day, which is uh, I guess the favorite day for everyone, it's the so-called adventure day. You're crossing the island from south to north, and then fourth and fifth day are in the west. So the first is uh, this uh, I think. Ponto do Pargo, I believe, is the, is the area that's called. And the other one is around Prazeres, um, which is then the, the, the last day. And you kind of finish the race in Caleta, which is the location of a, a very nice hotel where the race finishes on the last day. So, yeah, those, those different zones, they're very, very different. Um, 
in the east you will find uh, something that's very similar to let's say european forests um typically very wet um you will find uh, a lot more rocks and roots and uh, much more traditional let's say farming tracks goat tracks type uh, trails uh, rather than bike parky man-made trails um and then as you go west you will find much more um man-made purpose-built bike trails uh free ride madeira is putting in a lot of work on the island in in their trails um and uh, and you can tell um where where they spend most of their time and that's definitely definitely in the west and and they have some really 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 cool tracks there but as i said i guess the absolute highlight certainly for me it was and that's also one of the, the questions that we got uh from i think in our in our in our instagram um day three the adventure day is really uh it was really my favorite it is one brute of a day so yes i, I looked it up again it was uh, eight hours on the bike um two stages in the morning so one uplift two stages in the morning then a big pedal um to um what is known the nuns valley and there is uh the first feed station after the first feed station is uh the one and a half hour uh, hike bike so a sweet ass 800 meter vertical <laughs> bike on your shoulders carrying it up uh um, on that onto a saddle and from there it's another what is it 10 15 kilometer traverse over towards uh San Vicente. and from there um you will uh, arrive at uh, what they call the best trail in the world. It's a trail that you can only ride uh, in and around Transmadeira because otherwise it's closed. And uh, I have to admit, they do not exaggerate when they say it's probably the best trail in the world. It's unreal. It's I've never experienced anything like this. It's um, it's you 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 traverse along one of these irrigation systems. They're called levadas. You you know crawl through two tunnels with like headlamps and stuff and you know carrying your bike so it's not falling into the water you hit your head on the wall because it's built from midgets and um, so yeah so it was a bit of a struggle to get through these tunnels then all of a sudden there's like the marshal there at the middle of the jungle and you're like what the hell and then it's like oh yeah guys the start is down there and i was like what do you mean the start is down there and then it's like yeah and it is in the middle of the jungle there's a trail and um absolutely absolutely phenomenal it's um on the north side you have this uh, volcanic blackish sandy loamy um ground and it's it's just absolutely unreal um in terms of grip it's it's kind of going down almost like a little cool war along the mountainside it's what is it six seven minutes it's really a really 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 cool really cool trail um you can look it up on youtube it's uh, you'll definitely find many many different versions um of, of a descent there it's called folder hull or full hodal one of the two and uh i can link it up in the show notes but it's it's really really quite fantastic and definitely definitely worth the the uh one and a half hour hike bike well, Pascal, you got me salivating. I think I might have to do Transmadeira just to experience this trail as well. I'm, I'm into this kinds of things where it's like, I won't say, I won't say exclusive, but it's like one of those like limited, 
experiences kind of thing. It's, I think that's a really cool thing. Hopefully it gets opened up um, in a responsible way, but let's... Um, well, I mean, the, you know, that's the, that's the thing, right? So it's, it's so remote, per definition, not many people will ride it. Right. Um, but I think that's the allure of, of, the whole, of this whole setup with that trail yeah. and the adventure day and all that sort of stuff. And uh, <laughs> I guess in the first euphoria, I was saying to Antonio, I was like, you know, this trail was definitely worth the, the entry fee alone. <laughs> it was it was uh, it was quite something and i think the reaction the reaction was the same from 140 riders so there you go the question as posed by rubel's boobels thank you for the follow recently and uh okay let's go on to the next one uh stefan a friend of ours from scar his is off german i'll say it in german and then you you will translate it for me yeah is this empfehlenswert einfach just for fun mitzufahren Oder muss man wirklich racer sein? Um, as I said, you definitely don't have to be a racer. You can for sure do it just for fun. Um, a lot of people do it just for fun. I guess, uh, you know, out of the 140 racers, in air quotes, I guess uh, 120 are doing it just for fun. Um, some have fun racing, <laughs> but uh, but uh, most of the people are there for to have a good time and uh, and really, really enjoy it. So absolutely. It's, it's you know, it's a holiday. It's a bike holiday um, at the end of the day. Yes, it's an adventure race. It's an enduro stage race, whatever you want to call it. But it's also a holiday. It's a great time. And, you know, no, I mean, unless, unless you're holding up the race in general, you can take your time. You don't need to stress. There is, there's only on one day is there an actual time cut and that's on the adventure day uh you must be through the the second um feed zone at a certain time but uh, apart from that there is there's really no time limits and again you can really take your time if you want to so you think someone like me could enter and be totally oh fine? absolutely oh, okay. absolutely you'd be totally fine oh, I see. okay that's good to know uh vitor buchley former <laughs> guest on, he says, okay, on a scale from one to Portugal, how much <laughs> does your ass hurt after Trasvedira, hardtail rider? Here we go. Answer. Uh, actually, I'm also um, hashtag team no chamois. Um, absolutely not. I'm totally fine. Um, no no problems whatsoever. Again, you know, with the hardtail on the on the downhill stages, you're, you're not really sitting down. So that that's not really an issue. And... Uh, and on, on the way up, it's uh, yeah. I don't I don't suffer from from uh, from ass hurtage. <laughs> so throw it back to Stefan again. He wants to know if you would go back with your hardtail. Uh, I would, uh, but I definitely would also want to do it again with uh, um, with with a full suspension bike. Um, that being said, you know, obviously in the euphoria uh, right after the race, everyone's like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely going to do this again. And there is people that have done it every single edition. And, and yes, I, I do get the feeling it is really quite unique and quite amazing. But I also would like to say that there is also many, many, many other really cool races that are still on my, still on my uh, bucket list that I would do first before I do another Transmadeira. Uh-huh. Hunter Swanson, uh, courtesy of sliding into the DMs, says, nice job in Transmedia. I'm doing it in September. Do you have any tips or advice? Anything you wish you brought 
that you didn't? Uh, anything you were very glad you did bring? Thanks for the question, Hunter. Uh, yeah, so I mean, I said to him, it's uh, it's uh, pretty pretty basic, pretty simple, right? So you know, let's say let's assume your 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 training is all all done, you're fit enough for for the entire week. Um, apart from that, um, personally, and that's my my own uh, my own style and my own experience um, is that I like to focus on uh, recovery. So I come to this with a cross-country background with an endurance sport background and my mantra in those kind of things is to uh, get the done get the day over with in a relatively you know efficient and quick um, manner so that you can get back to camp get you know your recovery done you get put your legs up you can you know potentially get to dinner earlier you can get to bed earlier so basically focusing on on recovery and uh, I guess in, in in that sense my my recommendation is to um, you know whatever you need to recover like a king um, <laughs> to take that uh, with you or bring it you know take that into account um, so if you're sleeping in the tents then you know, bring earplugs because you're going to be sleeping next to 139 other dudes. Uh, if you have issues with sleeping when it's bright out, then bring an eye mask. If you need your special lucky pillow, then bring your lucky pillow. Or if you can't sleep in a tent at all, then, you know, maybe spend the extra few bobs um, on staying in a hotel. I mean, there's there's quite, uh, quite affor- affordable options uh, that you can use. Um, I have to say, so I did the the Airbnb setup as um, as I mentioned earlier. Um, I did stay in the tent for two nights. Um, I did also bail on the last night in the tent because <laughs> in the last uh, in the last uh, camp that was literally as the bird flies, maybe four hundred meters from the hotel. And I said to the guys, when in the morning, it's like, guys, if I'm sitting in the tent and I look out of the tent and I look at the hotel, there is no fucking way I'm going to sleep in the tent. <laughs> and then they were like, oh, well, that's soft and whatnot. And I was like, guys, come on. You know, I'm 43 years old. I don't need to play any games anymore. <laughs> there is there's value in a good night's sleep. And then you know because the, every morning they post the coordinates from from the camp for the for the evening they post it on the on the group WhatsApp chat, and at lunch break I was stuck those coordinates into Google Maps and then I was like could see the camp was literally right across from the hotel and I was like nah this is not happening <laughs> I I fired up Booking.com right then and there booked a hotel room <laughs> and uh, and yeah. Um, you know, treated myself to an extra night in the hotel and I slept like a king. After dinner, checked into the hotel, into the room, turned the aircon on to polar storm. So like a, a cool 18 degrees, you know, nice heavy duvet, put it up all the way to my nose, nine hours, rigor mortis, like dead. And the next day I was flying. I had my best overall result on the last day and I was feeling fresh. And it's just cognitively, it's just a complete 
di- completely different game if you slept uh, slept uh, well enough. And then that's uh, yeah, if you're such a sleep nerd like myself, then that's that's just the uh, the cost of of getting a good night's sleep. <laughs> if if Hunter wants another uh, another tip, I can afford one. If you really want to train yourself to be prepared for five nights on Transmadeira, do a bit of overnight camping beforehand. So you get like oh, this, like what popped into my mind was you felt uh, fit for the last day after having hitting that hotel room, because not only are you given a better sleep because you're just on a normal bed and blah, blah, blah. But also everything is pretty much normal. You know, it's not exactly like your house, but it's very similar, you know, just in types of in generality. Whereas if you, if you take doing like a five night overnight stint, stint in, in a tent, you kind of normalize that. And then once you arrive in Transmadeira, it's not like you're just, oh, I'm sleeping in a random tent now on an island. You're like, oh, I've been sleeping in a tent for the last two weeks. So it's, it's just a different brand. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I do have to admit, I, I, yeah, my, my version of camping is like the kids sleep outside in the garden suite they have a camp outside, like a tent, and I'm in the garden suite inside in the bed. That's my version of camping. <laughs> but uh, no joking aside, I, I generally don't camp. So it was first night in the camp was like terrible. It was like in the middle of Funchal. There was cars. There was no, like noise and the sea and wind and people. All uh, you know, the whole the whole deal. I didn't didn't sleep very well. And then the second night, kind of similar situation. And I was like, nah, nah, yeah, well, I can't do this. At this point, you're hypersensitive because you've been just going balls out all day. You know, you're exactly. totally spent. You're, you focus on recovery, focus on getting food in. And then the first, first moment of rest, there's like buzz in the air and honking. And exactly. Funny whirling sounds or whatever. It's, I mean, you, yeah, you're just, you're just sensitive to it. Can't help it. Absolutely. Um, I did put uh, another few um, short tidbits and tips down for uh, Hunter here. Um, I said also bring enough snacks and additional recovery tools as required. You know, if uh, if you want to like really push your recovery game, you know, they can read up like there's plenty of scientific evidence. But, you know, slamming protein drinks before bedtime um you know additional snacks throughout the day gummy bears whatever it is that you need to to you know get you focused and and get your juices going uh bring enough of that um build a robust bike and body i have to report grand total of zero zero incidents with my bike yes i also is a hardtail so that's not really hard to do but zero problems with the bike Whereas others in my riding group, they like from creaking and gears banged up and, you know, wheels and shocks, the whole deal, um, just, Ugh, just not good. Shocks. So build, build, build a robust bike and body, right? So, you know, body, you know, get, get through the, get through the week, um, you know, nice and strong, especially on that, on that fifth day. My favorite tip, uh, I do that for everyone that embarks on a multi-day adventure this is not the time for a diet. So whatever you feel like eating, <laughs> you get plenty of it because you know you need that energy. I mean, I've I've some I, I do wear my Garmin all the time. I mean, I've had some five thousand calorie days, um, so those are big days, and you definitely don't need to 
watch uh <laughs> you know watch how much you're eating or watch your weight or whatever it is uh, but first and foremost and that's generally what i say um for any event be it a race be it you know some other other event have fun you know make friends make new connections you know the, the what brings people to this sport is also the community you know we you know even after it's now two weeks after the race we still stay in touch we exchange messages it's you know experiences like that that's where that's where you meet your people that's where you make new friends maybe lifelong friends and uh you know we're exchanging ideas of maybe doing another trip together visiting each other in wherever we live right so one guy that was riding in our group he's from safaus Vistladis. and uh, it was a cool bike park in austria there's others from stuttgart you know all these kind of things so they there there's there's a lot of a lot of ways you can you know enhance the experience of this race by by just being present um enjoy the moment the no-brainer goes along with having fun and making friends for sure and you you see that and i've been i think i've been 95 percent good on this skip the instagram and gopro i did not bring my gopro because there's a, at least 100 other other risers that have a gopro and all these trails that have been filmed a bajillion times be present and take it all in those are my top recommendations for transmedera is there anything else you would say without having done the race, Bryson? Uh, no, Pascal, but thank you so much for offering your insights. Um, <laughs> our listeners and for sure the uh, question askers are grateful for your contribution. So just quickly, Pascal, you touched on you were writing a Titanium Moxie. Um, maybe you want to give us your favorite three parts or components on this bike that enabled you to stay high and dry and well maybe not so dry at the transmedia <laughs> no definitely definitely <laughs> not the first two days that was a very decidedly wet um my favorite three things uh, right off the top i'm not sponsored in any way shape or form i pay for most things full retail continental crypto towel Front and rear, downhill casing, super soft. Amazing tires. Cush cores in them. No problem on the hardtail whatsoever. 1.3 bars in the back, 1.2 in the front. The whole week, no problem whatsoever. Um, the other thing I have to say, also, shout out to Felix, our friend uh, with uh, his homemade homemade brakes. I always called them the homemade brakes. And I was like, really, are they homemade? He's like, yes, a friend of mine makes them, designs them in at home and then, uh, in his kitchen and then has them made in Germany. But I'm not joking. I, I have a set of 612 brakes. They obviously look pretty baller and are, you know, a decent eye catcher on any bike. However, I put them on at the end of November we have been riding this bike all the way through winter, all the conditions, all the mud, all the whatever. Uh, we've never done a service, no, no, no bleed, no nothing. Uh, the brake pads are still the same as from November, and they've been absolutely flawless. Amazing brakes, and uh, you know, I'm not trying to 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 push you to buy these brakes, but it was absolutely amazing, and they were crazy consistent uh like i've never experienced before 
Um, and uh, the third item on the bike, I mean, yes, the frame is amazing. Um, the most recent addition is a boltless top cap made from a piece of brass. It uh, adds additional weight to the entire uh, and damping build <laughs> and damping <laughs> to the entire uh, to the entire bike. Uh, it looks baller. And uh, it feels nice and hefty in the hand when you actually unscrew it. And I had to unscrew it a couple of times because of uh, packing the bike up. But, uh, but yeah, those are top three things. Um, but yeah, overall, again, as I say, no, no issues whatsoever. Um, everything worked as intended. Um, I put up uh, a little bike check on my personal Instagram, PensaMTB. Uh, where you can find all the details, all the bits and bobs about my bike, what are the parts that are on it, and uh, and who's built it, and and you can find all the, the links to, to all the different brands and and things uh, there if you want to have a look. Thanks again, Pascal, for your insights on the Trans Madeira 2023 Summer Edition and your participation, your tips, your tricks, and answering the listeners' questions. <laughs> It was a pleasure. It was a pleasure. It was a it was a good laugh, and uh, as I said, it uh, it was uh, really the experience uh, I set out to have last year, or actually three years ago. Uh, then a little bug went around the world, caused a little panic, and amongst other things, a cancellation of Transmedia twenty twenty. And then I got to do it last year, and I got to finish it this year. And it was really the experience I had hoped for. It was really, really cool. And if you get the opportunity to do something like that, I would definitely sign up for it. No hesitation whatsoever. Rah, rah. That's it for us tonight, Skigglers. Well, thanks for your time. Uh, if you feel like popping us a, a five-star rating on Spotify or wherever else you listen to our podcast, have a go at it. Because you know what? Even if you don't feel like five stars, it really helps us reach more people like you and helps us beat the algorithms and uncover cool stories and find new listeners and potentially even more interesting guests. So how's that for a deal for a five-star rating that costs you literally a couple of microseconds? It's not even about the (laughs) self-esteem. Exactly. All right. With that one, we close it out, Skigglers. Talk to you the next time. Ciao. Thanks for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. Pascal and I put a lot of heart and soul into this podcast, and it means a lot to us that you've listened to it. We'd also really appreciate if you shared it with the people that you know and care about. Until next time, Skigglers. Skigglers.